You're listening to the best of the day. I say you, you the best. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Cuts into the high slot. Caprizov left wing side of the goal. Shukarello scores on the tip. You let me down, man. Now I don't believe in nothing no more. I'm going to law school. No! Down low for Kaprizov. Shoots. Demko makes the save. Rebound goes wide to the net. Comes back to Kaprizov. He scores. Dad, maybe this will cheer you up. Oh, this doesn't work anymore. I didn't say stop. Good morning, Makeover 601 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Uh, A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I mentioned we are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, please tell them more about our delectable, delectable studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Big show ahead on a Friday. Lots of stuff to get into today. Uh, The show, the guest list, will begin at 7 o'clock with Brady Henderson ESPN NFL Nation. It is the Seahawks and the Chargers this weekend. We'll look ahead to that game with Brady at 7. 7.30, it's Kevin Woodley from NHL.com and Ingle Magazine. We will look back on <laughs> another Canucks loss. That's five. They are now the only team in the National Hockey League without a victory. Shorty really, really hit that one home on the call last night. That stood out for me, is that when Kirill Kaprizov scored that game winner in overtime, there was the roar of the XL Energy Center faithful. There was Shorty addressing what had just transpired, and then he said it, and the Canucks are now the only team remaining without a win in the National Hockey League. Even Arizona has a win. They got one. Everybody's Seattle's got a win. They all got one. Chicago's got a win. Uh, everyone has one. Vancouver doesn't. Yes. Uh, so Kevin two, Wood- uh, two points, though. They do have two <laughs> points. So they have the cumulative effect of a win, just not the actual win. Uh, Kevin Woodley... NHL.com and Goal Magazine at 7.30 to talk about all that. I guess we got to ask him about Thatcher Demko. How would you classify that in a word? If I was to say, give me one word to describe Thatcher Demko's season so far, what would it be? Average. Yeah. Mediocre? Andy, Disjointed. Would you like to play the word association game? Not incredible? That's two words. That's, oh. uh, no, no, not incredible. There we go. Uh, not incredible. Uh, uncredible. <laughs> uh, Unincredible. I like his answer better. Uh, Moj is going to join us at 8 o'clock. Lions, Elks. Tonight from Edmonton, where everybody wins except for the Elks. 16. 16 consecutive losses at home. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, Jason. It could always be worse. No matter how bad the Canucks are doing, it could always be worse. Uh, so, Mojo will join us at 8. Uh, real quick, we'll run through a bunch of the stuff that's on the ledger for today and tonight. Three NHL games. We mentioned that the Lions are in Edmonton. Uh, Major League Baseball game three, Padres, Phillies. 11 NBA games, including the Raptors taking on the dysfunction that is the Brooklyn Nets. It is Ask Us Anything Friday, so get those in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. 
We're going to do our NFL locks of the week. Mine is not locked in like three weeks, but I'm going to do it anyway. Finally, we're giving away tickets to see the Vancouver Canucks play. But it's their home opener. But it's against the Buffalo Sabres. But they're free. Does it carry with it a terrible curse? No. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> well, it is a Canucks game after all. Ooh, that's uh, bad. So if you want to go downtown into the mess that downtown is going to be on Saturday, right? Because there's mm-hmm. Elton John and the Canucks. Yep. And both vying com- for and our a, attention. And a comedy show, Jim Jeffries. And a comedy show in Chilliwack, Steve-O. <laughs> Someone, Someone texted, texted that, that in. Yeah. yeah, I think it was Tommy the Tractor Guy. I'm like, I love you, Tommy. I think it was Steve-O that texted that in. I'm like, Tommy, I don't think you got the assignment. I'm not right. sure you understood what It's we not going to affect downtown this. traffic? Anyway, we're going to give It's going to be so bad that people are going to have to park in Chilliwack. <laughs> can you believe Ooh, this? Steve-O's playing here. Can you believe this parking? <laughs> um, okay, we're going to focus. We're going to bring it back to center here. Canucks, Canucks, Canucks. We're giving away a pair of tickets at 830 for the best, what we learned or ask us anything submission, A-Dog and Laddie are in charge of choosing it. So make it good. Okay? That's the show. That's what's happening. Now we got to do this thing where we tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? Kirill the Thrill Kaprizov scored 3-0-2 into overtime, and that gave the Minnesota Wild a 4-3 victory in overtime over the Vancouver Canucks on Thursday at the XL Energy Center. It was Minnesota's first win of the season, Jason. That Good for them. Yes, that also meant that it made Vancouver, as I said earlier, the only team in the National Hockey League yet to record a win this season. The Canucks are setting records and statistical benchmarks left and right, the problem, the problem is that none of them are any good. That was about as bad as that road trip could go now that it's over. It was a gutsy effort from the Canucks last night, probably their most admirable of the road trip, given the stakes in the opposition. As you mentioned, the Wild were looking for their first win. Uh, are, they are a good team, I believe. Um, the Canucks got two goals from the fourth line. That's good. Horvat got his fourth of the season. And Demko, although he wasn't perfect, he did make some big saves. But once again, they couldn't hold a lead. This time it was 3-2. to two. So it was not a multi-goal lead, but it was still a lead in the third period. That's when Tanner Pearson took a penalty and the Canucks couldn't kill it. Nice play by the Wild to score. Uh, Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Zuccarello, that's a nice duo. I mean, they, they had that. That's a talented group, Um, but I know that's not what Canucks fans want to hear. All in all, a disastrous road trip. Considering the fact that the Canucks needed to get off to a good start to the season, they said it, everyone said it, we all said it, we all knew it, didn't want to recreate what happened last season. It's been recreated. It's almost like JT Miller is playing the role of Elias Pettersson. From last season, because remember we watched Pedersen last year and we were like, what? Who is this person? Mm -hmm. I don't even recognize this person. JT Miller looks dreadful. Uh, Brock Besser hasn't been good. Quinn Hughes, I think, is trying to do too much out there, and it's hard to blame him because he's probably looking around and going, I have to do too much. Mm. (laughs) And he's probably playing too much. Demko has been average, and the special teams, like last season – have been horrendous. I just tweeted out their special teams numbers. They've got to have 
the worst combined special teams because their Canucks power, the, the, their power play is 10.5%. That's 25th. That's not even the worst part of it. Their PK, 59%. Not bad. 31st in the NHL. So you combine those numbers, well, and it's around 69%. So that's nice. nice. But the rest of it, nice. the rest of it is a disaster. Um, I I would say the only thing I'm encouraged about is Pedersen. He looks approximately 100 times better than he did at this point last season. And at the same time, though, (laughs) because for some reason my mind is full of negativity, I'm wondering what this guy is thinking about playing for this team. That is – that are some – I love the mental gymnastics behind that. It's not completely unfair. In the moment, he's probably thinking about when are we going to win a hockey game. But, yeah, I mean, here's the thing: they haven't signed him long term. The questions of this group are only going to increase and come with even greater scrutiny and come with greater frequency if they don't turn this thing around and turn it around in a very dramatic way. They're not just off to a poor start. It is poor. But they're not just off to a poor start. There are 32 teams in the National Hockey League. Through this day, October 21st, 2022, 31 of those teams have found a way to win just one game. And they've done it all different sorts of colorful and unique ways. Some have outplayed the opposition. Some have not. Some have relied on their goaltending. Some have relied on their special teams. Mm -hmm. Some have scored late. Some have scored early. All the colors of the rainbow. The Canucks are the only one who have not have solved the matrix and put the Rubik's Cube together to figure out how you can get just a win. Just a win. That's it. They needed one badly. And last night, last night was also the culmination of what happens when you're desperate this early and you put forth a really good effort, but you still end up with the same result. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people were like, that game was bad last night. Canucks were not bad last night. That was a pretty valiant effort against... A good team. There were a 103-point team last year, the Wild. They have playoff aspirations. They have Stanley Cup aspirations. They were at home, and they were desperate. I think they've had two good games in a row. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because <laughs> it's in the midst mm-hmm. of a dreadful start to the season. And I hear to see all these people saying, well, they can get back to 500 if they rip off four wins because that'll get them back to 500 <laughs> on point percentage. I'm like, okay. If it's as easy as getting four, they should have been able to get one. But it's not for them right now. Mm-hmm. They blew the, the unbelievable narrative to me about last night is that they only blew a one goal lead. And people were like, hey, that's mm-hmm. progress. Well, Bruce Boudreaux was talking afterwards, and, you know, he, he looks rough, by the way. Like, he hadn't, yeah. he hadn't I, shaved. He looks just, everyone looks he's rough. Wearing right now. He's, he's wearing it. He's right wearing now. it for sure. A certain level of PTSD of sorts, I think, is going yeah, through Yeah. I think he's just, I think he's, he's trying to maintain some positivity in, in what he said yesterday. Uh, after the game was, um, listen, like we've had two good games in a row. Columbus, you know, say what you will to losing in Columbus to the Columbus Blue Jackets, but that was the second of a back-to-back. I thought, I think their last two games have been a lot cleaner. I think they managed the puck a little bit better. I'm not saying they've been perfect. It's hard to be perfect in a hockey game. You can point out mistakes that were made, but overall they've been cleaner. You know, they they haven't made us like gasp with their mistakes like they were doing when they had the lead in Washington. Yeah, 
when we were kind of like, what are they doing out there? They, they just played a more mature game. And they've got the game to overtime, right? They could have won those games. Um, and he was just saying, listen, if we go and get a win against Buffalo on Saturday at home, well, that's three straight games where we have points. So you have to build the positives that way. And he was also trying to build the positives through, hey, maybe this being forced to play desperate this early in the season is going to force us to think about our habits. And we're hearing that word a lot, aren't we? Habits. We heard it last season a lot. Uh, Our practice habits, our in-game habits. And then when we turn the corner, you know, maybe those habits will stay and we'll be able to start winning. Actually, Laddie, do we have that audio right now? Let's let's play this right now because this is, man, you talk about a challenging coaching uh, job. Bruce Boudreaux's got it right now because not only is he trying to teach them the right habits and he's got to go through the whole X's and O's and everyday thing that a head coach has to do, setting the lineup, uh, making lines, et cetera, et cetera. He has got a heck of a psychological challenge on his hands right now. Okay, so we'll play some audio from Bruce Boudreaux here. If it's not the exact clip we're talking about, we come back and play the other one. Here's Bruce Boudreaux last night following a 4-3 loss to the Minnesota Wild in overtime. In 2016, we started off 1-7-2 and and ended up winning the division and everything else. So, I mean, uh, and I told the players today, I says, one of the things when you're not winning because you want to win so bad, you start learning good habits. And the good habits keep coming. You might still lose for a couple, but once you get those good habits down, then and you start winning, and 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 you keep those good habits, it's uh, usually a, a way to be successful. First, you get the habits, then you get the power, then you get the women or the wins in, in this in this particular case. So that that Ducks team that he was referencing, I didn't remember this at all. How like they got off to one of the worst starts. In franchise history, honestly, if you look at it, it's one of the worst starts in NHL history. So they went 1-7-2 over their first 10. In those 10 games, they were shut out five times. Five. So every second game, if you were a Ducks fan, you're like, we are not going to score any goals tonight. So that was bad. That team came back, won the division, 103 points, lost in the first round of the playoffs. I'm not saying there's any correlation between what they did and what the Canucks are doing. All I'm saying is, when you bring in a guy like Boudreau, part of the reason you bring him in is for his experience, right? And and that's a two-pronged thing. One, he's probably been through almost everything you can possibly be, go through in hockey, right? Maybe yeah. not this. Maybe not this particular style where his team blows a lead every game, but a losing streak, right? Yeah, we saw it in the HBO series. The other part of it is you bring in a guy like Boudreau to provide a sense of calm, and positive, I'd say more positivity than calm in these moments. Like, that's what he's there for. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the, I mean, in the very short span of his Canucks tenure, this is by far the biggest challenge that he's had. By far the biggest challenge. The, the Boudreaux bump is, do, is done. It's gone. Now it becomes, how do you just become a, a regular, good old-fashioned, everyday NHL coach? How do you coax this team to get out of this funk? Think of where your mind has gone as a Canucks fan during this streak. That's kind of where the players are at too, right? And it's the job of the head coach to make sure, and also the leadership group, to make sure that that doesn't happen. Because you can go some down some dark paths, 
Like, think about one, some of the things that have crept into your mind. And I think it's okay for fans to admit it. It's okay for media to admit it. Sit there and go, like, Pedersen. You know, people have texted in. Like, remember when Petey said that he wants to stay in Vancouver as long as it's a winning team? Well, it's not a winning team yet. And there's a decision to be made on Pedersen's future coming up. We've seen guys force their way out of teams before, right? Mm-hmm. That's where you – that's – and, and and that's where people's minds are going. I mean, I I was texting my buddies yesterday. I've got a couple buddies that are that are a few years older than me, and I texted them. You guys will be sixty when JT Miller's contract expires. Have a good sleep. Why'd you do that? Were you blocked from the group chat? Yeah, that? <laughs> I would be because I would have. <laughs> it was just like it was just you know like well I was thinking I'm going to be well into my. 50s. Yeah, I try not to think about that. When his contract expires. I mean, it is gallows humor type of stuff, right? But, you know, the JT Miller situation right now does not look good. And we'll get into that soon. But mm-hmm. back to the job that Boudreaux has to do. He has to try and ignore all that stuff or at the very least focus on some of the positives. And that's why you see him saying, listen, our last two games of the road trip were our best games. Mm-hmm. We're learning, right? We're learning some things on this slump, right? Mm -hmm. And they're playing better. So if they get that win over Buffalo on Saturday, maybe they can start rolling then. Okay. I have a question for you right off the hop as we roll through what happened last night and then what's going to happen on Saturday. You mentioned that game, home opener against Buffalo. There's going to be a lot of – it's going to be an interesting night downtown. We already mentioned Elton John's going to be playing. It's going to be a very, very vibrant – and energetic and busy crowd downtown. That much I can say. As for what's going to happen at Rogers Arena, Jason, the Sabres come in in pretty good form. They beat Edmonton two nights ago. They beat Calgary last night on the strength of an Alec Tuck hat trick. So they come in winning two in a row. What's the reception going to be Saturday in the Canucks home opener at Rogers Arena? I think it'll be positive from the start. I don't think it's going to be like a Lindy Ruff reception where guys are going to get booed. Um, remember, these home openers, they'll probably introduce the whole team. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of reception JT Miller gets. They're not going to boo Bruce Boudreaux, though, like they booed Lindy Ruff. I don't think people have turned on him yet. Um, my question with it is, and I don't know exactly the reception they're going to get, but having watched the Canucks over the years and having been to a lot of games, I think it. Uh, if they don't start out well and they don't play well right off the hop, the crowd's going to turn on them. Uh, you mentioned JT Miller. You mentioned he's going to get introduced, which of course he will. As you said, they're going to introduce the entire team. What do you do with JT Miller both on Saturday <laughs> against Buffalo and then moving forward? Because, because it's not just he's playing poorly. It's that he is a bona fide liability now when he's on the ice. I was a little surprised that he was out there in overtime with Besser, frankly. That is not a fast duo. That is not a duo that is playing well. JT Miller lost a battle along the boards in his own end. Um, and it was, a, it was a tough battle. And maybe he was a little bit tired. He'd been out there a while. But I was thinking in my head, I was like, and I, and I saw a few people reference this on Twitter, so I wasn't the only one. Like, you got to win that battle, and he didn't win the battle. Ultimately, he lost it. 
and the puck never left the Canucks zone after that. And Minnesota won. Yep. You know, I'm watching this guy play right now, and I don't even recognize him from last season. And people will say, yeah, he was a defensive liability last season. Not like this. Not not like this. Do you remember watching Pedersen last season and, and going, I don't even recognize this player. Like, I don't. What is going on here? Did you forget how to play hockey? Where is your confidence level right now? The same sorts of things are happening with JT Miller. Yeah. Um, like the bobbled puck in Philly mm-hmm. in front of his own net. That was reminiscent of Petey. But I felt like Petey looked like he was trying harder than Miller. Like Miller almost looks paralyzed in his own end. He just stands around and he can probably say, listen, like I'm just playing my position. I don't want to get running around, but he's not doing anything in his own end. He's a big dude. Mm -hmm. He's a power forward. He had a key battle to win in overtime and he lost it. So another question that's going to be asked going into the home opener against Buffalo on Saturday is what the lineup will look like because when fully healthy, or in this case as close to healthy as you can get minus Riley Stillman right now, the Canucks are going to have a roster decision on a nightly basis, it seems like, where there's at least one notable healthy scratch. The one on Thursday in Minnesota was Nils Hoaglander. He got sat down. Boudreaux explained his rationale, essentially, that he wanted a little bit more size in the lineup. Kudos to the fourth line. I thought they were very good yesterday. Dakota Joshua got his first goal as a Canuck. Nils Oman got his first goal in the National Hockey League. But now, moving forward, is it the rotating door of healthy scratches? Does Hoaglander stay out? I wonder what they're going to do on Saturday. Well, they're not going to send anyone from the fourth line, I don't think. I think we should uh, mention Curtis Lazar's game, too. Yep, he's, that been guy, good. he's been good. That guy plays with spirit. He had a shift where he blocked two shots. Um, he looked like he was hurting all night, and he kept being thrown out there. How about Dakota Joshua? Yeah, well, Halford already mentioned him. But again, so. that play to him on, oh my goodness. Yeah, well, Dakota Joshua's goal was nice, too. You know, go to the net, pick mm-hmm. up a rebound, score. Man, when you get two goals from your fourth line and you don't win, Yikes. that's really tough. Those are those are bonus goals. And they played well and a really nice move by Nils Oman when he went in on uh Flurry. Mm-hmm. So the lineup decision that they've got right now, uh Bruce Boudreaux said, you know, it's it's not easy taking Nils Hoaglander out. I think Hoaglander had speed too. Like how slow did the Canucks look last night? Really, like Mikheyev can move. Nils Oman showed speed on that breakaway, but I, you know, he doesn't play much. He's not like adding a ton of speed. A few people in the inbox are wondering, will Pearson be yeah, scratched I for the home that. opener? I, I wonder if Pearson based might on the go. play last night. Yeah, I mean, he made a nice pass to Horvat on the first goal, right? He did. Yep, he did. Um, but yeah, if he went in the pre- if he went in the press box, I wouldn't have any problem with it, right? Like, who who are, are you going to scratch Kuzmenko? He no, he looks, he looks great. yeah he looks dangerous out there. He should have scored a few times against the Wild last night. Um, you know that line, like him and Pedersen together. Keep those guys together. Don't 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 mess with that. Right. Keep that together, and see if you can get some goals from that duo. Um, Pearson in the press box. I would have no issue with that whatsoever. I thought his penalty in the third, although it was in a terrible part of the ice, I thought it was a little bit like unfortunate. Sure. You know, when I watched the the replay, I'm like, yeah, he just went to check him and. I don't know if his skate hit the Wilds player's skate or he got his stick tied up. It wasn't like a 
it wasn't like a super irresponsible play. Like a like the penalty that was the worst last night was Luke Shen's right off the bat. Like, what are you doing, dude? That wasn't great. Like you, that was such an obvious cross check. And I get that Luke Shen is trying to show that you know, like I'm, you know, he's he's just trying to show some physicality. But that was just obvious, and it put the Canucks in like a. In in terms of the the run of the play, they were like behind the eight ball right away. But anyway, that was early in the game. But if we're talking about lineup decisions that Bruce Boudreaux has, you know Tanner Pearson, sure, yeah, scratch him, bring Hoaglander Hoaglander in, and also on the back end, yeah, let's see Rathbone because Riley Stillman is hurt. He's been fine, I guess. I don't think he's been great, but he's been fine. Bring in Jack Rathbone and give this team a better chance to move the puck. Quinn Hughes cannot be the only guy doing it. The question is going to be, is is Rathbone going to give them a better chance to move the puck? Because there's got to be a reason that they're not pl- they haven't played him so far. Everyone else has gotten a twirl. Everyone else that's been on the trip has been in there except for Rathbone. I think Boudreaux just doesn't trust him. I don't. I, I don't know what it. I mean, I under, that's a great. He's a like, good puck mover. He doesn't trust him defensively. I think, and it's 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 a it's a story as old as time itself, right? Like the head coach doesn't trust the rookie offensive type defenseman. We got a lot more to get into on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We're here until nine o'clock, but the rest of this six o'clock hour, we're going to continue to do what happened. We can do more Canucks topics. We can dive into the Dunbar Lumber text line. We can also go around the National Hockey League. It was a big night for Buffalo yesterday. Huge night in Montreal for the Habs. Leafs got a really important win, at least for them anyway, over the Stars. Penguins kicked, absolutely kicked the Kings last night, and the Oilers beat the Kings. So there's a lot of stories we can get into there. Uh, We probably won't go to Thursday Night Football. That was rather forgettable, but there was a big trade in the NFL yesterday. There's a lot going on in and around the sports world, and the National Hockey League. So the next half hour, we'll keep rolling with what happened. 7 o'clock, Brady Henderson. Uh, 8 o'clock, it's the Moj. 7.30, it's Kevin Woodley. we got a big show ahead, so don't go anywhere. It's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. First you get the habits, then you get the power, then you get the women, or the wins in this particular case. First you get the sugar, then you'll get the power. Then you'll get the women. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. I say you're the, you're the best. Halford and Bruff. I mean, it's no secret that we're all frustrated. I mean, you know, he, he plays... In my my opinion, and probably a lot of guys' opinion, you're a good at 60 minutes that we played all year, and we just can't find a way to to get a win. I mean, you know, that's that's where experience has to come in. You know, leadership. 6:32 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. That voice you just heard—that's the Cappy, the captain, Bo Horvat. Uh, speaking after Vancouver's 4-3 loss in overtime to the Minnesota Wild on Thursday night in Minnesota. Uh, Horvat held up his end of the bargain, scored for the third consecutive game. Nice setup from Tanner Pearson on that goal. But Bo said it. Need guys to step up and be leaders. Now Horvat wearing the C, doing his bit. Again, a lot of big goals over the last couple games. He's played reasonably well. When you talk about leadership and you talk about your best players being your best players and drawing you out of this funk, 
It's hard not to circle back on number nine in your lucky number programs, JT Miller, who last night was pointless. I mean, in a literal sense, he did not have a single point. Uh, he's now stuck on three in five games. For those of you that care about plus minus, because he's referenced how many goals he's been on the ice for, he's minus five through five games. He was on the ice for another one last night. And you look at it and you're saying two things. One, what is wrong with JT Miller right now? And two, how can he get out of it? Or how can the team get him out of it? A, a, a sample of some of the texts that are coming into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Unsigned text here. If this do, does go sideways, is it not possible to trade all of Miller, Besser, and Horvat by the deadline? Preach. I wouldn't call any of those contracts asset liabilities. In my opinion, management hasn't fully committed to any long-term path as of yet. Even the coach wasn't extended. Um, Alvin gave them a chance at the deadline last year and another at the start of this season, but if it's not working, a complete rebuild must be in order. You, oh, you... my God! <laughs> We're having a fire sale! The burning! Sorry. I have I, – I, I admit that my mind has wandered to could they tear this thing down? How easy would it be to do that? I, I, I'm in. sorry, man. I'm just laughing. We're we're four, 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 five games in. Yeah, and we've got we've got someone suggesting they trade Miller, Besser, and Horvat. Rebuild. Let's go. Like I get it. The season is in peril, and it doesn't look good. That's a lot to pull. Just realistically, that's a lot to pull off. No, it's not going to happen. I know it's not going to happen. Just, but that's where just, people's minds are I know at right that's now. Where their minds are at. I Be- want to reflect that because, like. If you want to go super house of negativity here, it's not just about this season, about what's happening right now. This team is fully capped out, and the cupboards are pretty bare in terms of prospects. Like, they've got Lekaramaki and, uh, right? Keep going. That's that's all I got. Keep going. Right? They got, they got it's, Linus Carlson. Seelovs? Nils Oman, but he's with the team now. I'm just saying, Mike, if you can go, go can't full, get into a game. full tank and rebuild, this is the year to do it. Please stop. Remember. You see the kid wandering <laughs> around yesterday in a Canucks Connor Bedard jersey? He's got the right idea. Don't like it. Don't like it <laughs> you one don't, day. You, God, that's what? my dream right now. I don't. It's I not don't, gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. Of course not. It's the uh, Canucks. They're not gonna get the first overall pick. But I do wonder what uh, management is thinking right now. Because you don't just like make a like a backup plan the day you need that plan. Like, do you think they went into this season with some sort of, hey guys, should we take two hours just to discuss what happens if things go really badly to start the season? You'd like to. Think. What are we gonna What are we gonna do here? I think the question of you know, so the texter the texter was saying like, um, in my opinion, management hasn't fully committed to any long-term path as of yet. They haven't? They signed JT Miller to a very long-term contract. Literally, the dictionary definition of long-term is the contract they gave Miller. It's the longest one they can pretty much give him, except for that extra year. But um, I look, okay, here's a real question that's a little bit more pertinent and pressing and reflects the current plight of the team, not what's going to happen at the trade deadline. Gurjeet. Writes in. This is important to bring up. Morning, lads. Morning, Gurjeet. How many more mistakes or standing and watching shifts do we need for Miller before he's scratched or something? Who in the room 
can hold Miller accountable? That last question is very pertinent and very important because we played Yannick Hansen audio yesterday and it was littered, littered with allusions to the room and holding guys accountable and who's in charge and who can look another guy in the eye and say, you're not doing enough and who can call people out. Now, the thing with Miller is this organization, the brass, the management executive, what was the one kind of common refrain they all said about JT Miller during those contract negotiations and when they finally got the extension? He was our best player last year. He's our best player. He's a vital part of this team. They said it over and over and over again. That's his standing within this organization. So it does become really difficult when your best player, your anointed best player, is, let's be honest, your worst player. Because I think that's where we're at right now. I don't think GT Miller is going into the room and yelling at guys right now. That's not what I'm saying. No, but some people seem to maybe suggest that he's doing that. I'm pretty sure JT Miller is being really hard on himself. I, I would 100% agree. The question would be, if he's in a, if, if he's in a leadership position. So who need, but, but who needs to hold him accountable right now? Like, I don't, I'm pretty I, well, sure that's JT the gr- Miller knows that he's not playing well. See, that's the great question. Right? I don't think, I think that's maybe one of the... Does need to be yelled at right now? I, I, d- I doubt it. But if he is... You oh, want, am I playing badly? Guys, I thought I was killing it out there. Are you looking at me? Number nine? JT? <laughs> that's the thing, though. Is that's the deni- that's the dynamic and makeup of the team right now? Is that their best player, their alpha, the guy that they're relying on, isn't just playing like let's get let's get this very clear, right? Can we all agree? Everyone in the room right now, Laddie, A Dog, Jason, like he's not just playing poorly; he's actually like a liability. He's a liability out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's he's, liability in overtime. As soon as he came out there, I think a lot of people were like, "Oh, I don't like that decision by the head coach." Should they scratch him when he's on the ice? A goal goes in. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> Should they scratch him and send a message? I don't I don't no. think you can. Really? Could you imagine the PR bloodbath if you went out on Saturday, home opener. Yeah. The the motivation it's not what they need right the now. The motivational video and then they then they announced the oh, whole the starting way. lineup. <laughs> Number nine, JT Miller is wearing a suit. Yeah. Because he's a healthy scratch. That is that's maybe they could that, ask him to like fake an injury or something like that. Put this walking boot on. <laughs> it's got the words Tanev carved into the side of it, and they hand it like to in him baseball when the pitcher's arms just randomly. Well, the difference yeah. too in playing at home, um, if Bruce Boudreaux needs to get JT Miller away from Buffalo's best players or Carolina's best players, like you can do that a little easier. Uh, but I think it was a mistake having him out there in overtime last night. You know, I, there's a lot of players. I would have rather seen, honestly, I would have rather seen Nils Oman out there than JT Miller. He right was going. Now, the way he's playing. And Miller and Besser together, like, those are two guys that are not playing well. They just aren't. And I think they also underscore an issue that still remains with this Canucks team. Man, they are slow. This is a slow team. And sure, having Mikheyev in there helps a little bit. But McKayev just kind of offsets the loss of Tyler Mott, in my opinion, right? Uh, Mott was a good skater. Yep. McKayev's a good skater. Oh, you, you mean in terms s- of just overall speed? In terms yeah, of overall yeah, speed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in terms of overall speed. This is a slow team, man. Like, their defense aren't fast. The forwards aren't fast. You talk about Tanner Pearson, right? Like, he's kind of that plodding veteran out there. Who's fast on this team? McKayev? McKayev. Quinn Hughes is a good skater. Petey can get going. Well, other than that, you know, Horvat can get going too, but I wouldn't describe, like, I don't think anyone looks at Horvat and goes like, you know, like, wow, what an incredible skater. Right? He's a bull. 
And the way the Canucks are playing sometimes now, you know, they're not playing fast enough. Their passes aren't crisp enough so that they can play fast. Um, and it probably brings us back to a question that we asked all the last season. What is this team's identity? What do they want their identity to be? Because they're not fast. They're not big and tough. You know, like there are some teams that were slow, but they're just like, you know, I think about the LA Kings when they were winning the Stanley Cup. Nobody watched those LA Kings and I'm like, what a bunch of speedsters. They're, they're, like, sure. They were big and heavy. Yep. It was the same with the St. Louis Blues yep. when they won the Stanley Cup. So they're not fast. They're not big and tough. I don't think you can sit there and say like, they're just a bunch of young guys out there learning the game. They are young in average age, but they've also got quite a few veterans, right? They're, they're, they're not like Ottawa. You know, like Ottawa, the kind of like, oh, we got a bunch of young guys and we're just we're just, you know, learning and we're having fun out there. They're not a veteran team where they're just trying to get over get over the hump, right? They're not like I don't know, whatever. They're not a veteran team. What are they? What is the what is the identity of this team? Well, through the first five games of the season, and I'm not even trying to be like a smart ass here, their identity is the team that can't hold a lead. Has there been any other singular theme through the first five games that we've seen every single night that they've played that keeps occurring time and time again? But big picture. Big picture, I'm talking about what if you're looking at this lineup and going, what could this team be? Is there an identity of having a few skill forwards? No, but or I having think, a great goalie when he's on? I do think one ties into the other. Boudreaux's talked about um, maybe the wins don't come until you develop the winning habits. We played that audio earlier, right? I, I think this group right now is identityless, And the, the reason that coaches, like coaches love, they, they just love talking about identity and character and what we are as a team, right? You know why? Because it's the easiest thing to fall back on when things aren't going great. It's how do we get back to being who we are? Because when you don't, all of a sudden, you allow yourself to be the team that's trying everything. Like, oh, we're going to, you know, like, for example, the game in Minnesota, the switch for Hoaglander and like he basically alluded to, we're taking Hoaglander out because we want a little bit more size, right? It's almost like you're curtailing your game to whatever the opponent's doing as opposed to being like, this is what we are. This is who we are. This is how we're going to go about our business. And, the Canucks and do and not, just, but the and, Canucks don't have it right now at all. They don't have an identity. Let's just make that abundantly clear. Just to clarify, they they weren't bringing keeping Hoaglander out and bringing Garland in for size. The, 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 <laughs> no, debate, no, no. the debate was between someone like Hoaglander and, and Dakota Josh. It was more just the way that Boudreaux explained it. Yeah. Right? And, it was, and I get that he's going to have decisions on a nightly basis where he has to bring someone out of the lineup. But um, when, you, like, when you're struggling – you always fall back on, well, let's get back to doing what made us successful. Well, the Canucks don't have that, right? Even last year with the Boudreaux bump, we didn't really have a, f- a full identity of what they were going to be or what their strengths of the group were. It was Demko, really. I'm going to read three texts here. Chris and Surrey, this analogy is overplayed, but you can change chefs all you want, but nothing will get better if the ingredients are rotten. Are rotten. Uh, I th- I'm hoping I'm pronouncing your name right, Jora. It did not. It's not just about this season. Look at the overall three years. Are the players on this team winners? Unsigned text. Honestly, they need to do something huge. 
like what Burke did when he traded five players out of Toronto. That last one caught my eye. A huge team-defining, future-defining trade. I would like it to be a possibility if this doesn't turn around. Is it a possibility with a flat cap, though? Not really. Right? Like This is kind of what I miss about pre... Um, about but since since we've gone into the hard cap, and I'm not even talking about like the pandemic flat cap. I'm talking about the hard cap where you know a lot of trades are dollar in, dollar out, et cetera, et cetera. Before the salary cap came in, you could do these massive trades, mm-hmm. and it was a bit more like asset value didn't mean as much back then. There were trades just to send send a message. Mm-hmm. You could remake your team. Those types of deals are really, really hard to do. Like someone just texted in and said, uh, you know, and, and and jokingly, well, I don't even know if it was jokingly, but the idea was like, do you think you could trade Miller, Besser, and Horvat before the trade deadline? What is the combined cap hit there? It's like yeah. twenty million in cap space. You really don't see a lot like of multiplayer. Do that you really anymore, don't see a lot man. of multiplayer trades anymore because the math is so hard to do. If if you do do those trades, it's in the off season, right? Like the Ekman Larson deal with the Canucks. That was a very complicated deal. Mm-hmm. That is not looking good for the Canucks right now. But, but I dig- but I digress. Them. But that sort of thing happens in the off season where. You know, oftentimes at the draft, because it's before free agency, right? So teams aren't committed. They've had their expiring contracts. They've got this cap space to play with. They've got this wiggle room. No teams have wiggle room out there. But I do wonder, like you had, and again, this management group said, uh, maybe we'll deal with our cap issues next summer. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you'll deal with a lot of stuff. Next summer. Well, Cap Friendly has them seven million opening up next season. Plus, of course, if the four million cap goes up, so like they could theoretically, not even including the guys they have to resign, just theoretically, they have like eleven million to work with. If, and other if teams the cap will goes too, up right? So right. like a big trade at that. Well, point. they can trade Miller. Not Miller. They can trade Myers last last year of his sure, contract. Well, yeah. I, I think that would be. There are things that they can do next off season, but I think the point is this core group, and we've talked about the. The mix of the players. Is it the right mix of players? Are these guys a winning combination together? Well, and that was always I gonna, don't know if they are. That was always gonna be the problem with uh extending Brock Besser and re re-signing JT Miller and keeping around some of these guys that quite frankly aren't your core guys, right? We've talked about this. We talked about it with Colorado when they identified that it was gonna be Rantanen and Landis Cog and McKinnon as the three guys that they were going to build around. And other teams have done the same. You go all the way back to the great Chicago dynasties, and it was a core four, right? It was Keith, and it was Seabrook, and it was Taves, and it was Kane, and then pieces came and went. And right now, the Canucks are locked into a lot of guys that, for better or for worse, you don't consider crucial core pieces, which is why you get all these, I I don't want to say outlandish, but kind of outlandish trade suggestions five games into a season is because everyone's kind of identified who the guys, and I mean all caps the guys are, and who the lowercase guys the guys aren't. Now, I want to take a deep breath. Do you want to try and work through some of these other NHL stories? Because I feel like, at the very least, we should look ahead to what's coming in on Saturday, and that is a, it's a Buffalo team that is going to be 
a minor player in the Canucks story because this is, I mean, this this Saturday night game, home opener, the way that they're going into it, it's almost 90% focused on the Canucks. But there's that 10% there. No, it's probably more than that. It's an interesting start to the season for the Buffalo Sabres. I watched the game against Calgary last night. They got outshot, and early in the third period, they were getting pinned, which you kind of expect on the road. The Buffalo Sabres, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, look really, really good. And it was kind of shocking to watch in real time until you realize what's good about them. Like, what the, they, I, I saw, making 40 saves and back to back. Well, games. yeah, okay. I, I flipped I over at a time when I think they originally had a 4 2 lead. Yep. And then Calgary scored, and then Calgary was really, really pressuring them. I guess they held on. Alex Tuck scored and then added an empty netter, and they won 6 3. Mm hmm. But the few minutes I watched, I was like, Calgary's all over them. So, Which to be expected, right? Right, and you only watched a few minutes. So yeah. actually, it's funny. After I only you stopped minutes. watching, Zadorov took a penalty. Buffalo comes down. Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck, goal 5-3, game's over. Right. So Tuck and Thompson play together, and they've got a really high skill level, and they're big and physical. Like, Tuck's a beast out there, right? Rasmus Dahlin, first defenseman in NHL history to score a goal in his first four games. So it kind of feels like he's finally taking that turn to being the elite franchise defenseman we all expected. Yeah. You just you start going through their lineup, and there's so many young, high-end, talented guys, like first-round pick after first-round pick, and it's throughout the lineup. And it's on the blue line as well. I mean, that's what... game against Calgary, they were getting pinned, but they yeah. needed one chance at the other end. And the goal was beautiful. The pass, the toe drag, the snipe. They got some great. speed, too. So they've got a lot of, of good, young talent all playing at the same time and all kind of in that sort of too dumb to know any better. Like they're just going out and playing. That's a really tough stretch that they just went through. Not many teams, given how good Edmonton is and how good Calgary is, go through Alberta, yeah. get the victories, and then come into Vancouver. Now, they could well, be fat and sassy on Hopefully Saturday. they have a huge night tonight. Right, like go out. Pierre's, what's the 12 Oak, 12 West? Go West, to all of them. West Oak. West Oak, whatever it is. Go to all of them. <laughs> Finish off at the Roxy. Go to Cold Tea for some Chinese food afterwards. Have yourself a night, boys. Because you can, they, they, did the, mm. they did the business now on the West Coast road trip. Yeah, like, come on, Sabres. Like, you're obviously going to win on Saturday night. The Canucks haven't even won a game yet. Rookie dinner. It's a good city for a rookie dinner, right? Mm. You've got a lot of young guys on the team. Yeah. Just, I'm saying, just think about it. Just think about it. But they're going to be an interesting opponent because, I mean, the Canucks are in desperation mode on Saturday at Rogers Arena. By the way, we're giving away a pair of tickets to that game today. We're going to do it in the final segment of the show, so in that 8.30 slot. All you need to do to win the tickets is send us what we learned or ask us anything. The Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. It is the Smolt alternative. Um, get them in. A-Dog and Laddie will pick one lucky winner. You will win a pair of tickets to see the Canucks home opener on Saturday uh, against the Sabres at Rogers Arena. Do we have anything from the Dunbar Lumber text line we want to jump into? Uh, no, I just wanted to go through the Canucks schedule uh, over the next little bit right. because actually Wes from Ladysmith texted in and said that we need to wait and see how things go over these next few games because the Canucks do have a bunch of home games. And hey, fair enough. Right, All five games are on the road. How's the positivity here? It's not. But we can pretend sometimes. Uh, they got Buffalo and Carolina Saturday and Monday. Both of those games at Rogers Arena. Mm -hmm. Quick jaunt, jaunt 
down to Seattle nice. for a game on Thursday, and then they're back for four more on the road. So they're probably going to be sleeping in their beds every game. I don't know. Maybe they'll spend a night in Seattle before that game. Sorry, you meant four more at home. Four right? more at okay, home, so you yeah. Sit on the road. So okay. you go Buffalo, Carolina, quick jaunt to Seattle, and then home for Pittsburgh, New Jersey, Anaheim, and Nashville. So it's not a super easy slate. Not a if super being, tough either. If, if we're it's being, not super tough either. Uh, Pittsburgh's been very good. Yeah. And New- then New Jersey and Anaheim have stunk. Nashville's Nashville. Seattle is bad at home. Mm-hmm. But um, you're talking about a team now that needs to start stringing some wins together. In a, like, it can't be one-offs now. Like yeah. 500 hockey is not going to do you any good because you've dug yourself this 0-3-2 hole. What's so funny, eh, dog? Tell me what's so funny. Is there something good? Uh, Nick and Clona with a decent text, but it's a bit long, so you can decide if you want to read it. We'll read it at the break, but okay. Um, You you mentioned exactly what's coming up here. This is a part of the schedule where they should make hay, right? This is is by design. When the NHL schedule maker puts you on the road for your first five, Mm -hmm. usually you're going to be rewarded with a stretch of home games. And because you're in Vancouver, you're often getting teams at the end of a road swing, like Buffalo on Saturday, for example. That usually plays into your advantage. This team absolutely needs to take advantage of it. My biggest concern is that the vibes, the vibe check, Jason, right now, it's extremely low. Mm -hmm. And I I just don't know what breaks them out of it other than, like, Boudreaux saying, well, you know, you got to get a bounce. You got to start playing the right way, and then things will go your way. Could they maybe go to Elton John's concert tonight? He plays tonight and tomorrow. Elton John's going back-to-back? He's going back-to-back. Wow. There's, there's, he's starting the backup piano player tomorrow. <laughs> Some goalies that can't even do that. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Uh, okay, we got a lot more to get to on the show today. Halford and Bruff shows 650. We will delve into the National Football League coming up. Only briefly, however, this is your home of the Canucks. There will be lots of hockey talk coming. Brady Henderson, ESPN's NFL Nation Seahawks reporter is going to join us. Seahawks Chargers on Sunday. And then at 730, Kevin Woodley, NHL.com and Ingle Magazine is going to join us. Now, we haven't really talked a lot about Thatcher Demko and how he's been this year. I asked Jason earlier for one word, word association for Thatcher Demko's season. And you said average, and I think I would agree with that. Maybe mediocre is a good one as well. So we'll, well talk his to numbers are below average. And there's that. So we'll talk to Kevin about all that coming up at 730. 8 o'clock, we're going to talk to Moj, a regular Friday hit. And then we're going to do Ask Us Anything and What We Learns and give away uh, a pair of tickets to go see the Canucks on Saturday against the Sabres. So it's a big show. Your job as a listener is to keep it on the dial and not go anywhere. It's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.